Welcome to the Pre-PT Grind Podcast. Before we begin this episode, we would like to thank you for taking the time to invest in yourself as a Pre-PT on your journey to becoming a future doctor of physical therapy. This episode has been sponsored by our Acceptance Navigator Series, which is a free four-part Pre-PT video series where we teach you exactly how to take full control of your PT school acceptance journey, as well as how to find clarity and direction as a pre-PT so that you can dominate your application regardless of your GPA, GRE score, or fear of PT school rejection. Learn how to get into the driver's seat of your acceptance journey and not leave your acceptance to chance by shooting in the dark and hoping for the best as an applicant. This is the most value that we have given away and it's free. Take control of your pre-PT journey today by going to www.acceptancenavigator.com. That's www.acceptancenavigator.com. This episode has also been sponsored by our friends at ptschoolprobe.com. Listen to this. One of the biggest fatal application mistakes that thousands of PT school applicants make each year when applying to PT school is not applying to schools that are a perfect match for them. Partnering with our friends at PT School Probe has made that a problem of the past. As PT School Probe makes it extremely easy to plug in and enter what you're looking for in your ideal schools, and you will be immediately matched up with your perfect match DPT programs in the United States. To get matched and locked into your perfect DPT school programs, go to www.ptschoolprobe.com, www.ptschoolprobe.com, and use the code PREPTGRIND in lowercase letters to get a discount and let them know that we sent you there. That's PREPTGRIND for your code. This will save you hundreds of dollars in your application by helping you avoid throwing away money at the wrong schools and saving tens of thousands of dollars lost every year that you miss out on becoming a DPT. So go to www.ptschoolprobe, that's ptschoolprobe, probe.com, and use the code preptgrind in lowercase letters to get a discount and let them know that we sent you. And that's because we got you covered and we are excited to share this next episode with you. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast episode. We look forward to serving you. Have a blast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pre-PT Grind, where we help you become the best pre-PT applicant and student you can be. My name is Natalie, and I'm one of the podcast directors. I'm very excited to be on here today because we have the chair of the physical therapy department from High Point University, Dr. Hegdis, joining us to answer a few questions regarding their program. Thank you for taking time out of your day to chat with me, and let's get into the first question. In five minutes or less, tell us what led you to the profession. Oh, well, I became a physical therapist when I was a college basketball player. And the day before my senior season was to begin, I hurt my knee and ended up being a torn meniscus in practice. And in the process of having to recover from that, I ended up meeting physical therapists and working with them. And I just thought, wow, this is a really cool profession uh, that I had not heard anything about. Keep in mind, this was like 
84, right? 1985, somewhere in there. So this is a long time ago. And, the, and physical therapists were not well known back then. And, and where did we have the physical therapy program at Bucknell? So I had no exposure to it until I was injured. And then, of course, in that process, I got really excited. Uh, unfortunately for me, I was a senior in college, business major, which meant I had to go back to night school to get prereq. Um, get all my prerequisites taken care of at the University of Pittsburgh and then and then apply to PT school after that. So off of that, would you say that since you were kind of in that position where you were a non-traditional student, like you hadn't gone to undergrad for any exercise science or health-related field, do you think that ever held you back like during your, your PT school or like during those night classes that you took? I think that's a great question. I'm not sure, you know, I only have, I only have one frame of reference for my career and that's me. And so did it hold me back? It, it may have slowed down my time schedule, but now at the other end of my career, I have been far more successful than I ever thought I would be. I have enjoyed physical therapy from the day I found it. I'm a department chair. I've got to start my own program at High Point. I, I've been able to publish quite a few articles. I've been able to publish books and book chapters. And so in my wildest dreams, I would not have dreamed that this would be my physical therapy career. So it may have slowed me down at first. It may have put me behind some of my peers with early learning. But I don't know if I would change anything. It also really, really motivated me to work hard and to study hard and to overcome obstacles. And that, that has translated into me continuing to do that throughout my working career. Uh, so there are certainly a lot of 4.0 undergraduate students who majored in exercise science who have not done as well as I have in my career. So who knows? Do you think that part of being like, like you said, you didn't, you didn't really, obviously you weren't exposed to it until your senior year. Did you think at all that like any of the stuff that you had learned from your previous major like do you think that has helped you in your career even if it's just like a small like you thought about something a different way because you had like the business knowledge of it yeah that's another great question certainly that's the case it would be very hard now to go back and study business administration. I'm just at a different phase of life and, and it would not be as easy. But certainly business business administration is a large part of my job now as a department chair. And so, yeah, I, I would not trade that experience, nor would I trade playing college basketball and going to night school and having to work as a PT aide or technician for, you know, I think back then it was $6 an hour. So I don't know if I, I wouldn't trade any of those experiences. They, they uh, all have gone into making my unconventional path really fun and really interesting. Perfect. Okay. So next question. Students put extra work into bettering certain parts of their application to be the best all-around applicant. Since every school values different aspects of the application, what would you that's an aspect of the application that you value the most or that will like catch your attention when you see it on an application? So I would say for right now in PT school, what I see, what I see mostly are very good grades. Most of the students who apply do very well. Most of the students have very good SATs, ACTs, GREs, you know, so, so those things 
are relatively indistinguishable between students. You, you have to have them as a minimal, but they're, they are not the end. I think what I'm more attracted to is when I read essays uh, and the story of the person writing that essay is an interesting one. So knowing me already, you might know where this bias comes from. I really like the story of the person who took a less conventional path, maybe struggled as a freshman in college, didn't get straight A's, and then showed this sort of commitment to, I want to be a physical therapist, and the grades started to rise and get stronger and stronger over time. I'm really sort of attracted to stories like that, or interesting stories, people that had to deal with tragedy and yet still somehow survive to apply to PT school. I think that's, that's interesting. And it's, and it's not to say that you have to have had a tragedy for me to notice your application. There are lots of ways to have that application stick out. And, and the essay needs to be, I think, an interesting one. We also are a program that interviews. So we get a great deal of information from that interview about your passion to be a physical therapist, about your interpersonal skills. Many of the things I would say grades and, and GRE scores and all of those things, those are the hard, the hard facts that get you into PT school. But those soft skills of how you do an interview and how you interact and how you demonstrate true pa passion for uh, the profession is, is another thing that I really look at. Okay, and now going off of something that you mentioned, We've seen a lot of PTs kind of have a rough start to their journey or decide to pursue like the degree a little later on than others. So one of our missions is to help push and guide students to take the correct course of action to ultimately get into PT school. We've seen it happen before where some students have gotten in with a GPA as low as a 2.4. For a student with a low GPA who wants to get into PT school, what would you recommend them doing? So first of all, I would go back, even though it doesn't change your grade point average very much, and retake some of the courses that you did poorly in, especially some of those core courses like biology and anatomy and physiology. So I would go back and take those. Even though it doesn't change your GPA, it shows that you are a different student than you were the first time you took that course and that you are dedicated to becoming better. And the second thing I would say is apply to places that give interviews because that is really your greatest shot is showing people that you are more than your grade point average. And the other thing I would suggest is it never hurts to email graduate admissions, the program chair, the chair of the admissions committee to say, hey, my, I have applied. I, I know my GPA is not conventional. My path has been different. This is why I think I would be great in your program. And I think within that email, you have to also show that you studied that program and be able to say why it is that you want to apply to that specific program. I think if it sounds like a form letter, you're less likely to get a response from all of those people that you're trying to show something extra to. That's definitely... I think a lot of people definitely wouldn't think of doing that because they're worried of like, oh, like they might think that like I'm pushier on this. But I think knowing that now a lot of people will definitely like switch how they go about that. So 
For a student that visits the campus, there's a good chance that they'll only see certain parts of the campus of the program. What would you say is something unique about your program that a student wouldn't necessarily see on a tour? This could be things like the research component, forms of teaching, or like interprofessional opportunities. Yeah, so it's a very good question. I know exactly what you mean. However, High Point University, we, we show them the entire university. We take them on a tour. We also show them the entire department. And while you can't see the research being done, as you've indicated, we do talk about the research experience, that it's so High Point's unique in, 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 in many different ways. We, first of all, don't try to recruit students, which is, I think, unique. We simply say who we are and what we do well and really emphasize that by the end of the day, you need to be able to differentiate us from other schools that you will interview with because the, the whole point is to make a match because if the student is happy and the program is happy with the student, everybody wins. If you're going in there, you're not asking any questions, you haven't seen the whole program and you're making your decision based on a rank in US News and World Report, you in essence have failed your interview process. Even if you've gotten in, I would say you have failed because you really haven't decided what makes the programs different. So I'll give you for an example. I always tell the students who interview to ask why. So when you come to High Point University, the thing that distinguishes us most, at least according to students, is one, our faculty, and two, our facilities, and three, our pro bono clinic. So if those are the big three things, you have to ask yourself, well, what about the facilities do they love? Well, we have two huge movement science labs. In most places, they're about 2,000 square feet. We have one that's 16,000 square feet and another that's 2,500 square feet. So while that's cool and impressive and the spaces are amazing, we have virtual reality treadmills and all sorts of cool things. To, to What does having two giant movement science to tell you about what we value, right? That physical therapists are experts in motion and movement and movement analysis. And if you go to a place and they say that, and then they don't have a motion lab or their motion lab is tiny, words don't match their facilities or their actions. And so this is what I try to teach students to do, even as they visit us to say, okay, and why do our faculty members who are phenomenal researchers, why are they doing the teaching within the PT program? And what does that tell you about us? Because many of the phenomenal researchers who are world-class at other PT programs actually don't teach many of the classes, adjuncts teach them. So what does it tell you about us and what we value that those professors are there for your visit to campus and that they teach the classes. And I guess finally, the pro bono clinic, lots of PT programs have pro bono clinics. Ours is a 9,000 square foot state-of-the-art clinic that runs 40 to 45 hours a week and serves people who don't have insurance or whose insurance has lapsed. So while all of that is impressive as a statistic, what does that tell you about what we value about the interaction with our community? And if you can answer those questions as the day goes on, you figure out if you're going to be our people or not our people. And, and I tell the students, look, if you're not our people, we're not your program, it's okay. You're going to get into other programs. But if you've missed an opportunity to differentiate the programs, th then you don't make a good decision at the end and you're not going to be happy over your three years. So 
long-winded answer, but I, I really would say the bottom line is everywhere you visit, look at what they have, look at their curriculum and ask why. What does that tell you about the program that they've designed the space and the curriculum the way they have? Yeah, that's awesome. I know from personal experience going on tours, like you said a lot, like they're like, oh, like we have this equipment, we have this, we have that. But I now like having you say that, like I don't think I've ever asked like why, which that's definitely a big, big part of it. Okay, so the next question is, for a student accepted into your program who will be there for the next few years, what kind of resources do you provide them to put them in a position to help them succeed? So this can be things such as like tutoring or mentoring or maybe like advisor type things. Sure. There's the, there, I think I know what you mean by this question because every university has the standard sorts of things. They have counseling offices and all those things. But our PT program specifically, when we go all through all the work of finding our people, we want them to stay in. And so we have developed the academic retention committee that's composed of faculty members. So we do have someone who's dedicated specifically to student and student issues who is a faculty member. And then the academic review committee is probably a little bit of a misnomer because we don't only review academic issues, we, we recommend students come to that if they're having social emotional issues also. And those can be everything from, hey, I'm not fitting in with my classmates to, to my parent or sibling was recently diagnosed with cancer. All of these things happen to our students while they're in PT school. So it is this committee's job to help the students succeed. And we, and we provide lots of resources based on individual meetings with that student. So that's what we do. That's awesome. So I know you had already mentioned this before that you do conduct interviews. So what can a student, upon applying, what is like the general timeline of the decision? And then further, if your program conducts interviews or preview days, what can a student expect from the course of that day as well? So uh, we have a summer start. So our application process opens a little earlier than most PT schools. Summer start would be beginning of June, maybe very tail end of May. And the process that we go through is kind of a tiered process. And the first tier is, and, and this is where the students who don't make the first tier will have to do some emailing to draw attention for us to to, to notice them. We look at we look at some basic things like grades and, and time spent in clinic and GRE scores and those sorts of things. And that helps us divide people into kind of a one, two, or three rank. The ones in the three rank are the folks who at least on quick review of the, the well, it's not really that quick, it's actually very thorough, but a thorough review of their packet don't look like they meet some of our standards. And some of it's low grades and, and low test scores. Some of it is uh, they haven't finished their prerequisites or don't have all the prerequisites. So they would go into the three tier. Uh, the two tier are those who any of the things we're looking for but aren't the perfect candidate, at least on paper. And then the tier one is those who look like perfect candidates on paper. So many of the tier one and the tier two folks then get invited to campus and then as they come to campus and go through a tour and an interview, usually within two weeks or three weeks maximum, they get 
a decision from us. And that decision is, thank you very much. Wish you the best of luck elsewhere. Or congratulations. You're in if you want it. You have two weeks to make your decision. You will not lose your seat in the class. But if you wait longer than two weeks to make this decision, we, have, we do have the right to fill our class. And if we fill our class, your seat won't be available. And then the middle tier is the tier that we say, hey, hold, hold on a moment. This is early in the interview process. We have another, I don't know, we usually interview 400 students. So we have, we have a lot of other students still coming. Hold on, hold on, keep interviewing, and we'll be back in touch. And then we review those people on that sort of middle group every two weeks to see, hey, do, do we want to offer somebody else a position or not? We try our best to be fair to the student and fair to our university. If we waited to invite everybody until the end, it probably wouldn't be fair to those people that apply early and, and vice versa. If we invited everyone to join us from the first three interview sessions, everybody at the end would be at a disadvantage and we don't like to do that to people. So we're always playing this sort of balancing game of inviting a few from each interview cohort until we get a lot of the interview cohorts done and then we invite more people. So in a sense, it's like rolling in a way, but not rolling admissions, or would you say it's definitely like firm? Yeah, I would say it's rolling admissions. Um, we'll, if we love you, we'll invite you right away. And again, I think the definition of rolling admissions is that, that we won't wait to all one date to invite you right, and you know that. But the rolling admissions process is, if you want to wait and interview to other places, we get that. But your, your spot then is not guaranteed. That's, so that's the other thing that makes if If we've invited you and there's 50 people that have already accepted and we only have 10 spots left and you haven't decided yet, and in the next group we love 10 people, we invite them and they all say yes. Since we have a maximum of 60, your seat isn't any longer available. We're sorry about that, but, but that's, that's how it goes. But we never uninvite someone that we love. Perfect. Okay. So. For many students, they're going from their undergraduate career to their graduate, while others are non-traditional. Um, no matter what, obviously, everyone will get first-day jitters. So in your program, what can students expect from, like, the first day of classes? Or I know some programs do, like, a whole, like, first week, like, transition. Mm, yeah, so we have a three-day orientation uh, where you're introduced to everything on campus, the policies and procedures, which isn't any fun, right? That's always a major snooze for students <laughs> to go through. Hey, here's, you know, here's what we expect as a student, and here's the procedures that govern that, and uh, this is the grading scale. We have a unique grading scale. We have pass, a low pass, and a fail grading scale as opposed to rewarding A, B, C, D, F. So we talk about that and why we do that. Again, we're trying to answer these why questions. So that's, I think about everybody does some kind of orientation to help students transition. The other thing that really helps students transition is assigning them both a peer mentor from the class ahead of them, a big, if you will, and then also assigning them a faculty mentor. So they get lots of people that are touch points with the program who understand things really well. And then the final thing that we do is, again, if we notice a student struggling early, we bring them into that academic review committee and say, hey, you know, how's it going? And, and are, you, are you doing okay? And are you, you feel like you're fitting in? Is there anything we can help you with? And so we, we do keep a close eye on our students early on. 
some students, you know, every student's different. Some students have to get the first fail on an exam before they say, ooh, I know you said I had to study differently, but now I get it. So that everyone's different, and that's okay. If that's your first wake-up call, if you have to fail an exam before you realize that studying the night before no longer works, then so be it. But we will not let you, we will let you make small mistakes, but we try not to let you make catastrophic mistakes, like going three quarters of the way through the semester before you start to modify how you study because it's too late then. Awesome. Okay. So our final question is, what is one piece of advice that you would give to any applicant during their pre-PT journey? I would say let go of perfectionism. I think we inadvertently send this message as PT programs that if you don't get a three, five or above, that you're doomed and that uh, there's no way that you can get into PT school. And I just, at least for our program, I, I don't believe that's the case. I, I get it for some programs that don't interview and are simply looking at, at application statistics. So I, I get that maybe that's the case there, but striving for perfectionism which isn't achievable, simply makes you unwilling to take risks and have authentic sorts of, sorts of experiences because you don't want to go out of your lane where you know you can get an A in the class, right? That's, that would be my piece of advice is, you, boy, you don't have to be perfect. So let go of that and you'll have a, be much more relaxed about life. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so thank you again for taking time out of your day. That concludes our interview. Do you have any questions? What do you think, uh, with all of you know, with all of your audience, what is a student looking for from a PT program? I think it definitely differs from student to student. I would say. Big ones would be like the cost and the location, but then I would say like besides like that part of it, I would definitely say that like the opportunities that come from within it. I know that a lot with everything going on recently, different members of our community have been saying like different things about how like this program's doing this or this program's doing that, or there's been petitions going around for a few programs that I've seen where the students have been asking to like reduce the tuition costs because they're not using like the on-campus labs and that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So I would say like overall location cost, and then I would say like maybe not like necessarily looking for it, but like things that we see a lot of students stress about and myself included would be GREs and interviews is mm -hmm. what, and kind of like the, the aspect of like not knowing or just like not hearing, like we had a recent within the past like two days, someone was waitlisted and they hadn't heard anything. And she was like, obviously getting worried. So she actually reached out to the program and immediately the program sent her back that she got accepted. But she was like, so I, sometimes I think it's just like the line of communication. Um, mm -hmm. It's a little blurred, but yeah, I would say GREs are definitely a big one in interviews is like a lot of stress from what we've seen throughout our posts and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully people will, after, you know, after maybe they hear some of this, I think if you, again, let go of trying to be perfect in the interview and give the answers that the program is looking for, if you start to ask why and you 
start to understand what you want from a program. And if in fact this program has it really, I mean, honestly, an interview is like a speed date, right? You're trying to find out, can you spend the next three years with this instead of person, this program that you love. And if you present yourself as perfect or as trying to give the right answers, then you, neither one of you really knows whether you've found the match. And so the speed dating is a fail, right? And so, but if you are your authentic self and you let go of perfectionism, maybe that takes some pressure off the interview. I know, I know the students that interview at High Point University say they feel relaxed at the end of the day and informed, and that's what we're shooting for. Yeah, that's definitely, definitely a big part. I know that a few students have made comments about how like some programs when you go into interviews will have you like write essays and like again more formal like you said in intro of being like more getting to know you and I know a few schools have they don't call their interviews interviews they call them like welcome days so that it's like less stress but like you're not technically in the program yet so you're being from the moment you step in the door you're being judged. Can I ask you a follow-up question then? Yeah. If they call it a welcome day, do you still know that they mean it's an interview? I do because <laughs> that first pe the first email that you get doesn't say you're you're accepted, but I think others would take it as like an accepted student day where you're just going in to have a conversation with faculty and you're not being judged. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking time. I know that it's a little crazy right now, but I really enjoyed talking with you. And I think that the students will find this super helpful. I know I personally have, and I'll be in touch with you, either myself or someone else. I think that's all I have. What a pleasure talking to you and what a joy meeting you. So thanks. Thank you. All right. What is up, guys? You've been listening to the Pre-PT Grind podcast, where we don't just help you get into PT school, but our mission is to make you the best physical therapist you can possibly be. And I have a quick question for you. Did you enjoy this episode? And if you did, I want to ask a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread our message of helping pre-PTs get into physical therapy school without wasting time and money is if you rate, review, and subscribe to the Pre-PT Grind podcast. What this basically does is tell the platforms out there that we're on is that you like our stuff, that we're doing something right, and that we're bringing value to you all, our audience. So if you can take about three seconds out of your day to rate, review, and subscribe to the Pre-PT Grind podcast and tell your friends about Pre-PT Grind, we would be forever, forever grateful to all of you. So thank you again for listening to another episode of the Pre-PT Grind podcast. We will see you on the next one.